Calling my phone like I'm locked up nonstop. From the plane to the fucking helicopter, yeah. Cops pulling up like I'm giving drugs out, nah, nah. I'm a pop star, not a doctor. Hey, shorty with the long text, I'll talk to. Shorty with the long all right we are finally back once again folks live in a quarantine greenwood bonjour shalom and what's up and welcome back to how you living uh i want to say it's episode 95 but i usually get that wrong so is it episode 95 I, I am completely out of out of sync with uh what episode we are but i do know that we're recording your segment live from the Chaz tower uh, in the Million Dollar Studio. This is episode 95. Did just check with the uh, corrections staff. They said it's episode 95. I'm coming at you from the Just Paid Rent Studios here in sunny Seattle, Washington, Greenwood neighborhood. This is a show that I like to start with. A simple question for my friend and comrade in arms, Chaz. How you living, Chaz? You know, a lot's changed since we last recorded. Um, it looks like we recorded back at the end of May. So it's been almost two months. I'm sorry for all the patient listeners out there. But like yeah. the, the Chaz <clears throat> Tower is now five blocks away from where it used to be. And it's not quite the Chaz Tower anymore because I now live on the second floor. But, <laughs> you know, but now I have my own office space. So, you know, we we moving up in the world a little bit. We moving up in the world a little bit. It- it's also a podcast, so they have no idea that's the truth. But also, that's true. Uh, it's more the Chaz Tower because it's you don't have any roommates. It's your it's your tower. So. That's true. It is my own yeah. place. It, it is yeah. it is cool like that. But uh, it, it's fine. It's fine. We're uh, I'm sticking with the Chaz Tower. You can't get 95 episodes in and be like, oh, we're live from the Chaz apartment. Like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't know. You know. And poolside here at the just paid pool rent studios. I don't know. <laughs> um, not not yet, you guys, because all the pools are drained right now because COVID. No one can swim. Swimming's canceled. Uh, like uh, it's canceled just like Crystalia. Something else that happened while we were <laughs> away. Uh, comedians acting bad continues in 2020. Um, but that's right, folks. This is a show. Uh, I'm living pretty good myself. Uh, staying staying alive. Um, there is a lot to cover. Obviously we've been away from this for two months. Um, you know, when we were going last, the, the Seattle protests were centered in in an area called the chop, formerly the Chaz. Um, since that time, Portland has been popping off with some protests against, uh, federal overstepping as well as extension of the black lives matter movement. Um, we've had some, New tragedies and deaths. Uh, the murderers of Breonna Taylor are still not arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, um, we've got a lot of bases to cover. We're going to do our best to, to hit on the main topics. And, um, and you know, we'll probably have to uh, summarize some more of the issues in the next episode because we only try to take your time up for an hour, listeners. So mm-hmm. uh, with that, Chaz, what's uh, what's first topic on your agenda today yeah well you brought it up i was also going to mention that brianna's uh brianna taylor's killers still haven't been caught and and i kind of wanted to reflect on it because i remember i was talking to a friend and right after we recorded it was like a week after um the killings of george floyd 
And it was great and all that we came out and we showed up for George Floyd. But whenever it comes to anybody else, if it's a black woman who gets killed or if it's a black trans person that gets killed, we usually don't show up as hard as, as we do as when black men get killed by the police. Or even if it's just like when, you know, other black folk get killed in general. Right. And now I know, like, especially when it's for the police, it's definitely because of systemic racism and everything like that. Um, but I think, like, also when systemic things happen, like trans people um, only have a life expectancy of approximately 32 or 35 years old um, just because of how our society is. So, like, if we are going to show up for people like George Floyd, we need to keep showing up for people like George, uh, sorry, like Breonna Taylor and because their names are missing me, um, and the other trans folks who have been killed during these times, pre-COVID and during COVID and after COVID. So I, I was kind of, uh, I was taken aback when one of the things I wanted to talk about after that had happened, but then, you know, life, um, was like thinking on that and saying like, yeah, we don't, we don't like take the time to, to show up and show out for other members of our community, more so just like black men, which, which is a problem. Like, and, and the two can happen together. Like, I'm not saying show up less. I'm saying show up more for more people and more things. Right. Right. Yeah. No. It's um, it is pretty poignantly clear. Um, and you know, just as an epilogue to the story, um, I heard that Brianna Taylor's, I think it's either brother or roommate is being charged with like resisting arrest and and basically self-defense was is his claim because he was in the house when they did the no-knock order Mm -hmm. and entered and he presented guns to the people that were entering his home and so now they're like brandishing firearms with intent to harm and they're basically charging him uh meanwhile the people who killed his uh, killed brianna taylor uh, are, are not being charged so it's there's even like an additional slap in the face for that family because um, he's awaiting that trial. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate. And obviously, you know, we've we've been talking a little bit about trans and, and the black trans culture. And, and we had somebody from Texas on the show. Gosh, that must have been a year or two ago. And she was talking about you know, how the deaths of their community is, is, is ignored and Mm -hmm. is, um, it doesn't make headline news. It doesn't get protest support. It doesn't, um, it, and it it falls in this kind of system of categorization where they feel like they're being deemed less than human essentially. And so Mm -hmm. they're they're They want people to stand up for their right to exist. And, you know, we're noticing it in, how these responses are happening for like what you're saying, like George Floyd and stuff, we have the capability, you know, we have the numbers and why we're not using those same voices and uh, organization skills for these other events is, you know, unbeknownst to me, um, other than just the biases and prejudices that people hold. For sure. And and I do want to say, like, I know someone is probably going to comment as a like, Chaz, what are you talking about? Um, there was that one protest at, I believe, the attorney general's home um, in Breonna Taylor's home state where I, I want to say, was it 85 people that got arrested there for that? Um, and kind of the other thing that I want to bring up is always the juxtaposition of like 
how the non-violent protests for, you know, uh, black lives and the mistreatment of police and just like the overall institutional racism and uh, structural racism that happens at the hands of police is always handed with like a very tyrannical touch or I mean, or with lots of force. And then when you have individuals with guns, either whether it be at the Capitol or um, protesting at the governor's house, right? So they can yeah. go out without masks on or go out and um, like some of it is uh, the COVID went down because of the economy and I want to go back to work. And other things are for non-essential, mostly inconsequential things or most things that or things that deal with aesthetics um, that people are willing to take firearms for. And even if they never use them, the threat of force is always there because they're present. And we've deemed in our society that they're less of a danger than the people who are nonviolently protesting uh, for things that personally, it is my bias that I think what they're fighting for is more consequential um, in our world today with the people that it affects. And I'm not always trying to understand that, like, right now, we really haven't seen the effects of the recession because we've been giving out really good benefits for unemployment. But um, unless what they have, like, they're just talking again now um, when they could have been talking weeks ago. And now we're about to, you know, hit a line where people are really, like, I talk to friends where when we play trivia over Zoom every week, they're like, yeah, after um, my partner, after we don't get that extra $600 a, um, a week, I don't know what's going to happen, right? And yeah. and then it, it and I'm, I'm a bit worried about what's going to happen because basically if we don't do anything, you're going to put people in the position to do all of the things that like, like because like we, we live in a pretty suburban area right now. Or it's not the suburbs, but it feels like the suburbs, even though it's still in the city right. limits. And right. and I know that when I look at things on next door and people scoff at the idea of defunding the police, which really it, it, it should be saying we allocate the funds of the police so they're used more efficiently, where not every single instant needs a person with a gun to show up. Because right. like like small tangent of when my old place was broken broken into um and my neighbor saw it because he had a camera it took the police you know three hours to get there now part of that is because seattle police is understaffed and the other part of it is like for something like that you would want a degree of urgency so they can catch them in the act so you don't get anything stolen thankfully we didn't have a lot of stuff stolen and i still don't know what happened to it and i couldn't care less because you know socially social economic stratification as someone would say or you know because people got to do shit that might not be, you know, legal or kosher for most things because that's the position that we've put them in society, right? It's it's making me think now that, you know, we should shut down things because COVID-19, we still don't have a handle on it because there isn't really a, a national sort of um, plan towards it. Um, and now we're saying, oh, well, you can't go to work but you got to eat what you going to do shit's going to go down right like unless yeah. unless you give them the resources that they need dead ass shit is going to go down like how bad is it going to be i don't know thankfully washington is usually a little bit better about those types of things than other states but in states where you know after this is done it's it's like you on your own fam shit's going to go down and it's not going to be pretty 
Yeah. No, exactly. No, and it's 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 that's why revolutions occur. Mm-hmm. You know, is that's the last that's the last step. That's it. You push people against the wall. People are dying, so everything's at risk already. Mm-hmm. So it's the fuck it mentality. Let's burn this shit to the ground, which um, is interesting. On one point, one point I want to make is I did just look it up, and it was Brianna Taylor's boyfriend who actually exchanged some gunfire. His name's Kenneth Walker with the police on the night of the shooting that took Brianna's life. Um, he was uh, arrested at one point, but actually a federal judge or a county judge uh, dropped those charges as he was in the impression that it was intruders that were coming in. because It was a no knock order. Right. So, and just to add something to that really quick, people need to know that when they showed up, they showed up in plain clothes. So yeah. no reasonable person would understand at a quick glance that they were cops. Right. Yeah. And Every reasonable person, like especially if you are an advocate about our Second Amendment rights, would say one of the reasons why you have a gun in your home is to defend your home from intruders. Everything that happened there showed them, or at least told them implicitly, that they were intruders. Now that we know after the fact that they were, they were still technically intruders, but they were doing so enforcing the law will color the way people look at it. But like, yeah. he definitely should not be charged for anything in that situation. Because yeah. of how it was handled. Exactly. And and so what I was saying is, so there was a coworker I had, and I want to say this is probably two, three years ago, and we were talking about um, kind of the origins of the Black Lives Matter movement and um, the women's marches and how all these kind of protests and movements were starting to gain steam and people were paying attention. And I was like, well, you know, what her opinion was, because she was a person of color, younger, uh, about those things and if she thought you know in her lifetime if these things would change and she literally told me she goes if we don't burn the shit down it's never going to change she's like they'll tell us they'll sell us they'll say everything they want to make us appease and stop bothering them and and marching in the streets but when push comes to shove they're going to hold their um foot on our necks and they're going to basically hold us down until we take it all back by force and I was like, wow, that's a pretty militant stance. Because she was like, I don't know, 22, 23 years old. And um, I'm like, that's, you know, to be so jaded by society at that point, that early, you're like, wow, you must have really have seen some things. And then now kind of going through 2019 and 2020, I get it. You know, I get it. Because, you know, we can elect all the AOCs we want. You know, we could even get a Bernie Sanders in office. We can do these things. But the system as a whole has so many uh, pitfalls and obstacles that are in place to, to really enacting social change that unless we break down those kind of institutions that are there, um, you're, you're going to still have these repercussions. And that's, it's an interesting take, you know, it's, 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 you're looking at it right now when you're seeing what's happening in Portland which is supposed to be this super hyper-progressive city. And look what they're having to do to make their message heard. You know, They are literally fighting with federal agents every night, mm-hmm. getting tear-gassed. They, they set fire to a juvenile detention center. Like it's, and if that's happening in Portland, then what's going to happen You know, when Chicago rises up or when New York rises up? Um, 
you know, and I think a lot of this, a lot of the fact that this movement is so isolated in certain areas has so much to do with the COVID crisis. I think we would be seeing widespread giant protests if this was normal business as usual year where you could be right next to the people that you're protesting with without any fear. Um, I definitely think there are certain areas and cities that, and certain communities and people that would participate in this that are being more affected by the COVID crisis and are not able to, to participate. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it's interesting. Yeah, and the the comment on what she said that doesn't surprise me because literally, um, that was that's what Malcolm X would say. Like he definitely then this was back in the '60s and the '70s where he was saying, "Hey, yeah, the white man's only going to appease you up to a certain point. They're not going to give you the revolution you want. You got to take it, right?" So if we're like 40 years from there, like I'm 35 years old. Right. And, you know, there's been incremental changes. Right. But my dad got pulled over when I was a kid, like the same way. Like, why are you in this neighborhood? Like, what brings you here? Right. If that was happening in the 90s and the aughts. Right. Like, and we haven't done anything about it. Yeah. It's Jr. trying to get into his house in Harvard. Mm -hmm. He's like a famous on television professor. And he's getting arrested for trying to, quote unquote, break into a house, Mm -hmm. his house, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it can happen to anyone anywhere, you know. But, yeah, that's, and I mean, and that's just kind of an update on, like, a small piece of all the things that are ongoing right now um, in that movement and then in our world, you know. I mean, uh, 2020 is is pretty much shaken up to be the strangest year of my life. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's for sure shaking up to be the strangest year of my life too but like i think i think we can make through uh, make it through definitely definitely hoping that we get trump out of office um in november uh but yeah like it, it's a tough road to hoe but you know no it's if we don't do it the impact will be very everlasting even even though like you know i have my criticisms about pete Buttigieg. Um, being, you know, a centrist and a capitalist. He is right when he says that, like, right now we are fighting not for, like, you know, the next five years, but, like, the next 30 years. Right. Like, the thing yeah. is... Yeah, so, so... And and the way he's starting to author his executive orders, imagine being in the position of not being electable again. Like, what kind of power is he going to yield with that pen? Mm-hmm. Um, and heaven forbid we don't keep control of the House and win control of the Senate, because if he ends up with a majority of Congress, I, I, I just, I just don't even know, like what, what kind of damage the he can actually perform in four years, because it's insane the amount he's managed to do in these previous four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's. It's chaos right now. It's chaos in the streets. And the only positive that can come from all of this is one part, yes, let's not reelect him. And and sadly, at this point in time, that's kind of putting our eggs in the Biden basket. I I've, At one point in this podcast, was a big fan of Biden. I liked him because he was a cent- kind of a central figure in, in, in progressive 
democratic politics, not far left, but like center left that I was kind of leaning towards. Um, I, I'm less so now, especially in the, the age group that he's in. I just don't think it represents what America needs to be looking for 25 years and beyond. But obviously, he'd be a better choice than Trump. Um, but we have the only positive that can really come from this is with all of these deaths, with all of this protest, with all the violence we're seeing, that we actually enact real change and give the next generations an opportunity to, to live through real justice and real fairness and in and, and, and a world where, you know, you can grow up and, and, and feel safe and not feel threatened just by skin color or, you know, what level of poverty you're in or what part of the city you live in. And, and that's kind of the only positive that can come out of all of this violence and all of these problems that we're seeing. And if it doesn't, if it shakes out to just quelling the masses and quieting them down and using National Guards to, to, to end protests, and we come out of this with nothing, I, I think you're right in saying that when these groups reform, it's going to be violent. It's going to be hard-nosed, real revolution violence because that's what you're saying is all they can do at that point because they're standing in the streets yelling for change. And if change doesn't come, what are you asking them to do but burn it down, but prevent you from staying in power, but from making their voice more heard, you know? Um, it's scary. And it's scary, too, knowing that, you know, uh, you've got Russia, like all the movements Russia's doing to reconsolidate power and become this force, like, it's not out of the question that they start gaining territory back from their previous entity. I mean, they already, what, took Crimea and, um, and then parts of Ukraine. I mean, what's to have them move through, you know, Lithuania, Estonia, and all that, and especially in a moment in time when our focus is, 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 is on us, you know, and what we're having happen here. So, you know, the world could be very vastly different in 10 years. Um, if we don't protect the peace and, and sanctity of, of what it means to be free in America and and become another beacon of, of justice and freedom for the rest of the world again, um, because there are oligarch and, and thug-like um, dictators that are out there, and their power kind of right now is going unchecked. And some of them are even getting applauded by Trump. So there's other things that are even outside of America at play right now. Yeah, and inside America, because one thing I want to comment on is when this first all, like when we first started recording this thing, one of the biggest things that I was concerned about was, you know, American fascism. And I know a lot of people, like, it, it's been underplayed a lot because people say, oh, people on the left will call everyone they don't like Nazis or... You know, and there was always like, you know, uh, every time someone would say the far right, which I still believe is too tame of a word to use for those who have very pernicious and very horrible values on the right. Uh, if you want to go that far on the, you know, Overton uh, window spectrum um, and try to alienate those who have, you know, far left views, which 
you know, yes, if you go from that spectrum, you would say, I have far left views, but my far left views aren't like violent, right? They're not xenophobic, right? They're not transphobic, right? They're not, you know, rooted in the swaths of like performative, um, is it, sorry, performative patriotism um, and right. things like that. And we're seeing that, and we saw that in droves in, in 2016. And it's been on the fringes for the most part. And I say the fringes because popular media didn't notice it, but it's always been there. Like Vice did plenty of exposés on it, right? Then we saw Charlottesville, right? Did you think that Charlottesville wasn't fascism then, right? Like, or like, and somehow you're okay now with Trump bringing in uh, secret police to put people in unmarked vans, under the guise of, I want to protect our fucking monuments? Fuck that shit. No. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, I'm sitting here, yeah. and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, because I wanted to be a positive force and to mm. to all the negative, so for all the negative reinforcement for leftist values and leftist politics, but also to counteract the positive reinforcement of a very um, xenophobic, transphobic, just like um, Islamophobic things that were happening on the right and gaining steam that that we should be like, you know, every time we would talk and I would say like, no, fuck those people, right? Like, right. like Mikkel would say, no, we got to talk to them. And I was like, no, fuck those people, right? <laughs> and it's shit like this that made me say, fuck those people, right? Like, right. and, and right. like, and, right. uh, and... And I know, like, what I what I'm saying when I say that like is not is not it's it's a it's a mixed bag because I I don't think what they say is right and I and I and I and I know that it's a not facts based but it's also um it's just not fair in 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 how it's portrayed or what 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 they're saying about people but I I just knew that some of them in certain spots are the voting mass. And I was like, God, at some point we need them to vote a different way. And that's like this, this, this problem I had, especially in post uh, 2016 election and seeing how close those states were and just wanting to know, like, how do you get a few of them? So that, that was what my, my impression was was we can't alienate them because then you just push them further into those spheres and, and, mm -hmm. and continue to vote but uh, and it, to, to more to your point what we're seeing is it doesn't fucking matter if you talk to them. it doesn't fucking matter if you include them in the discussion it doesn't fucking matter if you let them present their facts and then you present your facts and yours have certain scientific base or whatever and then they go and create a word like alternative facts which is is an oxymoron. I, I work in healthcare. Um, I know a lot of people think the phrase alternative medicine is a very popular phrase. If you actually define medicine as science, there's no such thing as alternative medicine. Because you could have alternative types of practices and things, but if something is medicine, it's just medicine. You don't have an alternate to that. Something is either medicine or it's not. Mm -hmm. So the idea of saying something is fact or it's an alternative fact, it's actually using that same illusion a presentation to say, well, what I think is different, and I know it's true, so it's an alternative fact. Mm -hmm. No, it's bullshit. And it's the same thing in alternative medicines. If your shit works, then it's medicine, and that's fine. If it came from a different 
culture or basis and how it was developed, then that's fine. That's actually medicine. That's not alternative. If it's something that you want to believe and you're using it over and over and it's got no fact base, then it's bullshit. But if it works for you, you can keep using it. But it's mm-hmm. still bullshit. you got to call it bullshit. Because if we keep living in this world where bullshit doesn't get called out, then we don't know how far down this path we can go. Like if this, if you take the far right perspective spectrum, you end up very close to the genocides and the things that are practiced by dictators who have unchecked power. Mm-hmm. Because if you start alienating whole groups of people and saying that they're evil because they're terrorists or because they're less than or whatever, how far are you from just putting them in camps and then ultimately eliminating them? It's mm-hmm. not that far of a jump. And so we need to stop that rhetoric right away. And unfortunately, because of the reaffirmations of Facebook and social media and websites, people get, a, get these alternative facts, as they call them, out there, and they get hyped up and they get likes and they get shares and they get views and they actually get paid. They're monetized by places like YouTube and even Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, and it reaffirms the, the, the echo chamber mentality. You've got the, the, the cold places of the internet like 4chan, which, which promotes all of this self-righteousness and, and, and behavior of, of fascists and, and you know, uh, misogyny and all these other kind of practices and, and gives them a home and, and, and affirms it. And then, you know, you have people in their community who could stand up for it, you know, they're, they're, some of this like misogynist behavior is supported by the wives and the, and the daughters of those areas because maybe they feel fearful to have any other impression or idea, but white women in certain states voted in droves for Donald Trump. So patriarchy is know, a hell of a drug. Yeah, and so it, if you want to look at all these things and this rhetoric and these people and how they decide what their opinion is, you need shows like ours. You need places where you can go where we're going to talk about the left side. We're going to talk about where we're getting our facts. We're going to tell you where we heard it. And then we're going to let you, if you're actually able to communicate, we'll let you come on the show. We'll let you talk. We're not going to give you a platform in the sense that I'm going to just let you fucking rant if you start saying some wild ass ideas. We're going to cut the feet. You're not going to be on that episode, and people aren't going to hear your bullshit. But if you're willing to debate and you can actually use facts and talk to us, we'll have anybody on the show, mm-hmm. you know, to to a degree. We actually talked about it one time where we said Alex Jones could come on the show. You know, he's wild as shit. But it if it would matter to some point of the population, some place that they could actually hear our debate with that person and say, God, that person really does stand behind bullshit and doesn't actually back up what they say, and it changes a few minds, that's the purpose of dialogue. That's Mm -hmm. the purpose of discussion, is to change minds. And I think that is where I was when I was starting this podcast with you and was saying, oh, we got to talk to these people. It was because I hoped that Mm -hmm. dialogue is where the solutions lie. But I'm also raised under the guise that the founding fathers sat there and fought in Philadelphia in the summers of whatever 1770 whatever and <laughs> the the preambles of the constitution and the in the continental congress and all that and 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 it 
looking back on it, that's all bullshit because there were no black people there to talk about not being slaves. They didn't have any women in the room. They didn't have any Native Americans in the room. So what the fuck were they really? They were a bunch of asshole white guys talking in a fucking storehouse and deciding, well, let's do something because we don't like the English. And, And so even the basis of all of this pride and patriotism is bullshit. Because we didn't let all the factors and all the people and all the parties in the fucking talk. So everything you base this on, the flag, the, the, the heroes of the Confederacy, all that shit is bullshit because you didn't even have women or Native Americans in the conversation when you were forming this country. So it's, 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 it's all bullshit at this point. We're all playing a little fucking dance like we're friends. And, you know if we actually brought out facts and talked and got through it because it's hard. It's like an argument with your family. Mm-hmm. They know all your buttons. They know how to push them. They know the time you came home late from the party and were drunk. They know the time you didn't show up for school. They know all your things and they can push those buttons. Well, that's how it feels when you're talking to someone about an emotional stance they have and, and they don't want to feel like a racist and they don't want to feel like they have biases it becomes this this painful feeling for them but somehow we have to have those tough conversations and mm. and that's why you're hearing it in in the celebrities of the internet who who want you to go have those tough conversations with your parents with your grandparents with your aunts and uncles and and it's going to ruin thanksgiving but you know if we're not having these dialogues with the people we care about who are actually affecting these votes in certain places, if you've got family in Florida, if you've got family in Wisconsin and you're not talking to them, then you're just as much a part of the problem as they are because you have access, you have the ability and yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's just as uncomfortable for me and Chaz to do it from 3000 miles away every fucking week on this podcast Mm -hmm. because you're not willing to bring it up. And, and that's, the reality of our world is we were built on some shit. There's a whole big old lie going on, but the only way to unseed and unravel that lie is to face it with the truth. And, and it's going to be ugly and it's going to make a bunch of people, including myself, feel uncomfortable about our roles and our traditions and, and what we stand up for. But if we can get through it, that country we build will not only be better and more accurate to what we actually want it to be, it'll be more inclusive, it'll allow for nuances and change, and we might actually build something stronger that can get through shit like we're facing today with COVID, with racism, with police brutality, and all these things, because they're having issues facing them because we're we're dealing with bullshit. We're just, uh-huh. we're not actually facing the real problems. We're, we're arguing about statues, you know, like what the fuck a statue, you know, yeah, like, bring the statue like, down. Like the statue. Yeah. yeah. And I've had conversations online about like it, like the history argument. And I'm just like, you know, like I even asked, like I couldn't get through this element, but I was asking them like, what about these statues that actually represent any sort of education? Or how do people become educated through these uh, statues? Or if these statues were removed, are there other avenues in which people can be educated on? Right? Right. Like, you know, like the statues, you don't know what that statue means unless there's like a plaque there that tells you about it. 
Right. And then right. the plaque is usually only like a blurb, like saying like, you know, this person was known for the battle of blah, blah, blah and died then blah, blah, blah. Right. And we know right. that specifically for the Confederate monuments, we know those wouldn't put there like right after it was over. Right. People keep forgetting that, like, you know, slavery is a big thing. And like before America was America and after America was America, people forget about the military occupancy in southern states to make sure that, you know, black people were relatively safe because shit still went down. People still got lynched. Right. There was still Jim Crow laws. Right. There was still, you know, rampant, like explicit racism in those times. And then, like, as it had to become subtler and subtler, you know, people started going less explicit and more implicit. And, and that's when you get, you know, these Confederate monuments that basically say, you know what, um, I care about the Confederacy because the Confederacy was something that I found important in my life. My lineage is from there. But it was also right. there to intimidate black people to be like, you know, like, oh yeah, you wanna you wanna be a human being on my soil? Fuck you. Right. I'm gonna put up the I'm gonna glorify like your imprisonment, right? Your free labor, right? And right. everything by putting up this statue and what the fuck are you gonna do about it? Well now today right. if people are like, I'm gonna tear that shit the fuck down because I ain't about this bullshit. And y'all mad, right. right? And I understand why you mad, but you can stay mad because that shit don't belong here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like so yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and it and it you know even with good intentions, because like there's a another statue that's being petitioned to get removed that's in Central Park that um was I think presented about four or five years after Lincoln's death, mm -hmm. and it's it portrays Lincoln standing over a quote unquote freed slave because it's a mostly naked black man whose chains have been broken and he's basically on his knees and Lincoln is standing above him. Mm -hmm. And at the time of construction, people asked Frederick Douglass about it and they go, Oh, do, do you approve of this public monument to signify the power and the, of, of Lincoln and freeing the slaves? And at the time, even Frederick Douglass is like, I don't appreciate that statue because the black man is both naked and on his knees. And I don't think that that sends the appropriate message of equality. I think what Lincoln died for and did for this country is very important. And if we want to have a statue that symbolizes that, that's great. But I don't think it should incorporate a black man naked on his knees. And that was at the time. And that statue still exists. Mm -hmm. And so it's like it, you know, they don't even the best intentions. I think the person that designed that was like, oh, this is going to be a really powerful statue. But they probably weren't black. So they weren't able to look at it from that perspective and say, how does this portray what's really going on? Because what it shows is kind of this animal like character, you know, being quote unquote freed as opposed to it could just be a black man in a suit shaking Lincoln's hand. And it would not only signify what Lincoln did, it would also signify the humanity of the black man who was praying. Mm -hmm. But they choose to do that. you know. So it's, it's symbolism goes so far. And yeah, we can't stand behind historical quote unquote accuracy as a, as a measure of why something should be in a public sphere. It, just because a person, you know, was the president of the Confederacy doesn't mean we need to see, their statue everywhere 
um, especially if we know that the iconography of that yields a different message about slavery and about oppression and we don't want that in our public spheres. We're not we're not looking to portray that. So, mm-hmm. especially since one of the grandest you know symbols of America is is the Statue of Liberty, you know, which is like supposed to be you know send me your poor, your hungry, your weak, and like you know now everyone's like build a wall. So we don't even stand behind the the historical statements we made whatever that was 100 years ago. So, mm-hmm. like, let alone 200 when the Constitution was written. And um, it's, it's difficult. And what we're finding is being the melting pot of society that America's been is difficult because there are 50 states tied together by identity with different ways of government, different kind of histories, and then you have upwards of almost 400 million people at any given time because you've got like 350-something million uh, citizens. And then you've got a bunch of visitors and, 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 and uh, immigrants living here. So it's so massive that all the kind of current economic models and, and, and government models to fix the kind of problems we're facing aren't developed for such a nuanced country like ours, which which the the division of fifty and the and the size and the scope and the population, and it's gonna take a lot for us to actually look at it in a way that can fix it, because there are states' rights, and we're gonna see certain states stand in the way of certain progressive legislations and, and movements that we we stand behind once we start correcting some of these historical problems um you know namely like a mississippi or an alabama or that type of thing that being said you know it looks like what mississippi finally removed the confederate flag and yeah ironically we are talking about mississippi (laughs) don't have a flag right now like they literally don't have a official state flag right now so we'll see what 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 shakes out of that um but yeah it's 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 a it's a real conundrum it's a real problem and you know it's gonna take a lot to to fix but luckily for us we have plenty of people who want to help fix it you know Mm -hmm. and if you don't know who they are go google the news of the protests in your state and those are the people because those are the people taking time out of their day to stand up for things that aren't theirs alone. It's not their problem. It's not necessarily their family that was injured or hurt or killed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's their opinion that this needs to happen. And so they're taking their time to do it. And so if you're looking for volunteers in your state to organize and to get things done, I, I'd say Google those and start finding those people who's organizing those events. And, and, and you can do this, you know? <clears throat> what else you got on your uh, <laughs> agenda two months? My agenda hiatus. two months? Uh, I'm not sure. We've been two months hiatus. So much has happened. Did uh, you have any 
any chop related updates? Um, I mean, right now, currently, as we are recording this, it looks like tension between the Seattle police and um, uh, protesters are starting back up right around where the chop was. There was also, I haven't dug into any of the reporting to speak on it um, with any sort of authority. So that's probably something I should save for the next time we record. Um, okay. But definitely what I wanted to talk, so I was listening to Pantsuit Politics. And interestingly enough, they're doing a series on basically um, how to be a part, like how to be a part of a community and what we need to do to be like as Americans, um, just like, how does our government work? You know, what can we do with our government? Things like that, you know, trying to make people more actionable. And they brought up an interesting thing about, like, when it comes to, like, huge changes that we want done, we always look for heroes. Um, so, like, John Lewis, uh, rest in peace, uh, passed away uh, this past week. And he is an amazing person who fought for civil rights Right. Like he was beaten by the police in the 60s when he was walking. He walked with uh, Martin Luther King and then he went on to be in the Congress for 30 years uh, working towards things. Uh, and we always and then we look at that and we see him as a hero. But there's a bunch of people that we don't see who like were in the streets, like in the trenches. Right? Like there were, you know, Rosa Parks might have been the one person who made a big stance um about you know, not sitting in the back of the bus but there were other people who did that too people whose names don't come to mind because of the hero worship but definitely like the one of the things that they brought up that i thought was very interesting is that like looking for heroes should be the end of the line for like changing these things right so like when it comes to me looking at like progressive things that i want to see like i'm glad that like bernie exists as somebody to you know rally around but it's also not up to him to be the one that's going to go out there and in the trenches, whether it's, you know, bringing awareness by going out in protests, um, being the person who puts themselves in harm's way about, like, even though they're supposed to be non-lethal type of um, ordinances, like, they hurt, right? They damage people. Like, they, they make big things. Um, they, they can cause big medical problems. Like, like, people are, like, people are putting themselves in harm's way to fight for everyone's rights, not just their own. Right. And, yeah. and there's definitely, like, this degree of, like, I think the biggest drug that America needs to, like, get a vet or, like, or maybe the biggest virus, I should say, outside of coronavirus is this, this idea that individualism is paramount in everything that you fucking do, right? And I don't know right. where this came from. I only realized this was a thing in, in, until I started to engage in more conservative spaces, Right. Like I always thought like the community meant things. Right. And that there's yeah. sometimes like there isn't even a degree of nuance between where are there things where a community should be concerned about them and where is the things where an individual should be concerned about them. Even like right. where I live right now, like I understand that, like how my community isn't served. Like like I'm not going to my job. Right. So I'm not able to. And I personally don't feel comfortable going very far outside of my bubble because of coronavirus and everything like that. But that means like, like I'm not going on the bus so I can't support public transportation. I'm not going to all the places where I used to host trivia or even play trivia. Um, I am not going into work where, you know, maybe after work I would have gone to a local restaurant. 
right around in that area, right? Like, and I know this is all capitalism based, and you know Chaz and his issues with capitalism, but there is a degree of like the exchange of money in various capitalist settings is what we use, like, is what people use to, you know, get through their days, and we don't have that, right? So, like, yes, I know, like, you might see me as an individual. I'm supposed to have my job. I have an apartment to myself, right? I pay my bills and everything like that. Like, I can understand people seeing that, but when it comes to, like, like, I remember when someone could, like, knock on your door and say, hey, uh, do you have any sugar I can borrow, right? Like, I don't even think about that these days, and I want to. Right. Yeah. Like, like I haven't even met everybody who lives in my building, let alone my floor, because I'm not wired to be like, you know, hyper community focused. Right. I know I even I have been wired to be like an individual. Right. Working in the system. And that's something that needs to change. Now, there are instances where I'm a part of a buy nothing group where I've gotten things from the buy nothing group and I've given things to the buy nothing group. And that gives me a sense of community, at least in my certain part of Seattle where I'm at right now. But there's more of that. It can, like, Mikel has always talked about, right? You know, meet your neighbors, right? Do the things locally, right? And even the things I talk about when it says, like, sit down with your friends. Like, you know what? We've been, I've been going, like, trying to get my place ready, just, like, trying to get the mindset of working from home during COVID-19. And Chaz, the person who hosts a political podcast, completely forgot that there's a local election happening right now, <laughs> right? Like, it totally... Like I was like, there's your mail in time because it might have got mailed to your old address. I think it probably got mailed to my old address, but I am getting some stuff from my roommate today. And now I'm going to have some chance to like sit down and, you know, understand things, because like if we're going to be a community when it comes to like our legislature, because right now we have a representative democracy. So we do need to elect a person to represent us, whether it be on the federal level or the state level or the local level. And we have to understand where I think one of the things that if you've been listening to this podcast for years or this is your first one, I think it's good for everyone to have a political platform before like there was that thing where like you don't talk about politics or religion. But I think right now, like politics is basically how we want to exert control over the things that we have control over. And if you have a political platform, you're saying these are the things that I want to exert control over. Whatever that political platform is, there's going to be things where I agree with and there's things that I'm going to disagree with. And there's also going to be nuances based on how we should implement it. Yes, am I in favor of defunding the police? Yes, but I'm in flavor in flavor and in favor of um, defunding the police by giving that money um, to individuals who um, have the skills and knowledge to deal with situations like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that don't need a person with a gun to deal with. Right. Right. Like, well, and- yeah. I don't even need a person with a squad car to deal with it. Uh-huh. I was going to say 90% of the police force shouldn't even be in vehicles. You know, they should be assigned to neighborhoods. They should have a neighborhood beat. They should have a neighborhood precinct. Uh-huh. And it should mostly be interacting with the community on a face-to-face, how-are-you-doing level. And things that they come across, drug addicts, um, you know, drunkenness, those things can be handled through substance abuse programs, through counseling and the community officer should be able to present that person with the opportunity to do those things if no other crime had been committed. Um, and then uh, also the familiarity of the area, the familiarity of the people that are there will help 
um, in these instances of mistaken identities and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because when you have someone dressed to the nines as if it's a riot for every shift they ever have with a gun and a taser and a baton, and they're banging on doors, getting out of these bulletproof, high-speed maneuvering vehicles, they're going to have this sense of, of authority over people instead of serving to protect. It's more of, I'm the law, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're looking for from police. We never were, and it's unfortunate that due to some kind of policing strategies over the 60s and 70s, and then, you know, originally going back to the gangster days of the 30s, the way they had to empower to, to take down those authorities, and in New York to take down, like, the mafia, we gave a lot of power to the fighting of, of crime, and we didn't look at it as a public community issue, and mm -hmm. we looked at it as a police issue. And we need to look at crime as a community issue and how communities want to deal with crime and the types of crimes that they, they have in their area. Um, and I think just by getting the cops out of the cars, you could actually bring a lot of this down. Um, and then giving them the training they need when facing some of these nuanced issues, people with autism, um, you know, people who are on substances or, or under the influence, I, I think could help. Uh, we, we currently have the least trained um, militarized police in the world. Like it's, 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 there's years less training per officer than every other westernized culture that has police. Mm -hmm. um, we're also one of the only cultures that arms virtually every single police officer. Um, most areas of westernized culture, they show up unarmed. There are places where cops just have a whistle. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that we have to, to go there necessarily, but what we have to do is look at what problems we're addressing and how we're addressing them, and at what point are we escalating these problems? At what mm -hmm. point are we making these problems into tragedies? And, and, and start wondering. And I think you can look at this when you look at the drug war, you can look at this when you look at racial profiling, and you can see tons of instances of removing poor interactions with the police, and we could improve it with community guidelines and with community service-related officers. And also, back to what you said I say a lot, knowing your neighbors. The more we interact with our neighbors, the less likely we're going to Karen phone call the cops just because we see some black people barbecuing. If the more that we actually recognize the people in our neighborhood and they recognize us and our values, you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to hang out with them all the time, but just know them and let them know you because there are going to be things and problems that arise as a community that we can fix as a community. And because we have this anonymous factor to our individualism, we're not allowing for that structure there to be there for the solutions. We're not allowing the dialogue. Um, and, and I think going forward, we're, we're going to need to see more of that. And we're going to need to see it from everybody. And there's people who might feel like they're homebodies or people who have trouble being in groups or these things. Somehow we're going to have to have them participate to some level so that their voice is heard. Because I don't want it to just be the loudest members of the community get their voice heard. That doesn't change anything because that's basically what's happening now. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but I want people to feel comfortable addressing their community and the issues because you and I have looked at these schedules for these town hall meetings and these uh, police, you know, security, what do they call it? Public safety meetings and stuff. Mm -hmm. They are, they're on very obscure days. They're, they alternate what day of the week it is during the month. They're not in specific locations. They cancel them all the time. They move the facility all the time. They hit capacity at like 20 people. There are so many obstacles to getting your voice heard by your direct community that we need to look at that and say, what are we doing wrong? Why aren't we getting enough people? And I almost think if it's got to be for a temporary time period, similar to jury duty, you should just get a letter in the mail and it says, hey, it's your time to appear at your council meeting. Uh, your, your segment of the, of the community needs to be addressed and heard. Uh, we need 15 minutes of your time between these hours at the community center. Please show up. And if you don't show up, then maybe you get a $50 fine. And it says, you know, hey, sorry we missed you, but you didn't do your part, and we need your voice. So instead, we're going to use your money to better serve your community. You know, something like that mm -hmm. would be an interesting way to get people up and out of their homes and into these sectors and buildings and groups and community areas where change occurs and where these policies are made. Um, these public safety meetings oftentimes dictate how police interact with your neighborhood. It'll mm -hmm. talk about how many members of the squad are assigned to your neighborhood, where they park, how often they come, what the response time is. Those are all developed at these security meetings. And if a security meeting had enough of the population saying, you know what, we've looked into it and there's some uh, community organizing we can do. We don't need you there. Unless we call 911, we don't need you. We're afraid that you're not aware of the members of our community and what's going on. We're going to actually police ourselves when it comes to normal community matters and, and the like. You can stay away. Thank you. You know, like that could technically be an answer if a community got together and looked at the problem and wanted to solve it and, and, and found other avenues to solve it. Obviously, you know, neighborhood watches and things like that are, are forms of that. Um, there's different, more established ways to do it. Um, and know your neighbor. Just, just know them. Even if you just know their first name, you know, oh, Barry lives next door. I also live in an apartment complex. I think there's 21 units. I know three people right now. I've been here two months. So, you know, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and work on introducing myself and, 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 and being a, a member of this building. And then from there, I can establish, you know, who the neighboring building is and, and things like that. So I think it's important. And I don't really have a distraction topic this week because I just think we need to be paying attention this week. So that's my distraction this week is is go meet your neighbors, go introduce yourself, find out if there's a community center nearby, a community bulletin board, and and when the public safety meeting is happening in your area. And go attend that public safety meeting. Email us at hylbox at gmail.com what you found at that meeting and what happened and how it went down. And if you're cool enough and, and you correspond with us, maybe we'll have you on the show. So, Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you want to kind of cap the episode with, bud? Um, you know what? Uh, just just our usual stuff. Uh, you know, stay politically active. Like, if you have any elections coming up in your neck of the woods, um, 
I know I think you've gotten to the tail end of any of the uh, primary election stuff when it comes to our presidential race. Uh, so basically, it should be um, presumptive nominee Biden and 45 as the two people going into the general pass because all of the conventions happen in August, but they're going to happen, you know, remotely likely because of coronavirus. Um, but yeah, if you can find anything from your local city council to your state meetings as well, too, I know for us, we are reelecting state representatives, um, our, like our governor, and I also believe on a bunch of smaller state uh, regulatory positions and also our, um, since they are elected every two years, some of people in the House of Representatives. So we know that AOC got reelected, but Jamila Jayapal here is up for reelection. So look for those things and make sure like those people are doing what you need them to do in those settings, like make sure that they are representing you. And and also look in the ways that they can represent us better. Like when I see memes, like going just to cap off the things that we've talked about, when I've seen memes on uh, Facebook or Twitter that says like it takes eight years for someone to learn how to be a lawyer, but six months how to be a cop, right? Why do you need to learn more about practicing the law than you need to know about enforcing the law, right? Like things of that n nature. Or, you know... When I see memes of, you know, AOC needing to shut some dude shit down while on the um, on the floor because he's acting out of pocket. Right. Like, you know, like there's so many things that we need to work on and only our elected representatives can only do so much. We need them to codify the things that we want them to codify into law. That's why we call them lawmakers. Right. And that's usually the, the degree of um, social rules that we follow and sound deem paramount but i also want people to understand that laws aren't everything laws aren't always just laws aren't always fair and laws aren't always created for the right reasons right so um we just have to understand that like if we're going to be active in all of this through our community through what we can do and through like whether it's the small things or the big things that we just need to be engaged more and more and and, and that's where i'm at now like like God bless the people who have gone out to the uh, to the protests, who have put themselves in harm's way, not only for the possibility of catching coronavirus, but also being in the harm's way of um, of just getting hurt, whether it be like near-do-wells who want to roll up on you with cars to run you over, roll up on you to shoot you, and also when it comes to the police in the National Guard or any other um, people being sent by 45 in order to, like, use uh riot tactics and everything like that like uh y'all are saints for all i know right so so i thank y'all for that and also just like recognizing the people who are out there who, who are because the economy is the way it is are forced to work during the midst of still a global pandemic right we just hit four million people with covid not concurrently but like it total um, of all the people who have been tested, right? We've reached 140,000 people who have died from it. Um, that's bordering, I believe, on the amount of people who died during the entirety of the Vietnam War, right? Yeah. And so, like, the shit is real, right? Like, and I guess I could just do what everybody else has been saying, like, wear a fucking mask, right? Like, stop being cute about doing public things, right? Like we didn't we didn't shut down for no fucking reason, right? Like like people didn't protest to shut down for no fucking reason, right? But 
ultimately, we sort of squandered the shutdown as soon as we're like, oh, yeah, we dip in the curve. We good. No, we're not. And we won't be for a long time. Right. Like we're in the middle of the status quo. And I don't know how many of y'all are still at the bargaining stage of coronavirus. But, you know, get off that shit. Right. And hopefully you can get to your, yourself to a place where you can accept that this is where we're at right now. And this is where we're going to be for a while. Right. And I don't even think it's going to be like six months for a while. It could be a year. It could be two years. I think I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast, but one of the one of the last things that I saw about it when I was watching um, Democracy Now! as somebody who is used to seeing things like that thought it would last for three years from when it started. Not like if we were had good behavior or, you know, we stamped it down. Like we didn't pull a New Zealand and said, everybody keep yourself to fuck home so you don't do this. Right? Like every time you put yourselves out there, we're putting ourselves at risk to be vectors. And as soon as we become a vector, we can, we can infect plenty of people that we don't know about due to asymptomatic transfer. So, you know, don't fuck around with coronavirus, right? Like, cause it won't fuck around with you. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and that's where I'm at with it. So, so yeah, uh, that's all I really got to say. Like next week, uh, I'll definitely get back into my groove of like listening to see what's going on more. Right. I've been, yep. since I just moved, I kind of wanted to get comfortable with the space and like take the time that I needed for myself. So I think it's good that we've been away for about two months or so. Like, even though every time we come back, the world's even more on fire. Like, yeah. I don't know what's going to be the murder hornets of August. I'll fucking know. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, rest in peace to all those who've lost their lives and the, tragedies that have led to these protests and mm-hmm. to the families that are um you know surviving them uh shout out to anyone who's protesting in any city or area of this country and in support of those people uh we're with you and uh, we hope to continue to to press the message on on those that are uh affecting this oppression uh as always black lives matter and trans lives matter and we need to to do better so uh, let us do that. As always, you can reach out to me directly. I'm on the Twitter sphere at Seatown Mayor. And that's because I'm trying to help out any municipality by the coast. You can always get a hold of the show at our email box, hylbox at gmail.com. That's hylbox at gmail.com. It's an email for the show. You can hit us up, start dialogue. Maybe we'll add you to some of the other socials and, and eventually. Uh, we can get you on the show if uh, you've got a message you want to deliver, and we can help you do that. Chaz, how can people get a hold of you? Um, I think now that I'm like having more time to spend at home, I'm going to start um, updating um, a Facebook page I have called The Random Musings of Chaz Baz. It's just like facebook.com slash, I think, random Chaz Baz. Uh, but I'm going to use that as a space to like, you know, start promoting more things in my political platform and having a space to like speak out on things where I want to share the means that I want to, but probably even create means and create more media that actually like digs in a little bit deeper Then maybe we can just do an hour or a week or so. Um, yeah. you can find me on, uh, Instagram at Chaz Baz and I, I haven't been on TikTok in like, I don't know, three months. So like I I'm technically on TikTok, but. I don't use it. So you probably shouldn't find me on TikTok, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Chaz, it's been great. Thanks for the recap and getting back together after two months. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see Uh, you, too. And uh, we'll we'll be back at it soon. All righty. Everybody, peace out. Peace.
parks we put around the ground these stalks of black corpses in county marks Lord, those images hunting i ain't been asleep yet it's 10 in the morning i'm sending a warning a problem with me is like the bet hip-hop awards i'm starting to see you niggas don't want it i'm sick of this flaunting for niggas i know for sure ain't got more dough than cold trash rappers ass backwards trying to go toe-to-toe we laugh at you staff strapped up on top the totem pole to blast at you.